0: jcasnetwork.org hello and welcome to daily dot differently jeremy kalmanovsky with you here learning tractate sukkah page 28. i want to begin with the bottom of 27 bet these pages these last several pages have broken up so it's always good to start with the bottom of the previous day page we spent a lot of time yesterday focusing on rabbi eliezer and he had a number of fairly strict views about the sukkah about how, how many meals you have to eat about the need you uh, the need that you have to own your own sukkah and the fact that you, in his view, have to have one sukkah for all seven days of the holidays. By the way, none of which is the rule. The rule do not follow Rabbi Eliezer on any of those points. But we learned something about him as a person and his learning tradition today. There's a little story that's given at the bottom of the page, uh, on the previous page. Maaseh Rabbi Eliezer she Shabbat b'Galil Elyon b'Sukkato shel Rabbi Yochanan b'Rabbi Ilai B'Kesari, Ba Kisarion. Rabbi Eliezer spent a Shabbat in the Upper Galilee, in the home of Rabbi Yohanan son of Rabbi Eli, in a town called Kisari. There's a small problem with the story, because because it was in the Upper Galilee, which is way in the north, and then it says it happened at Kesari, which is in Caesarea on the coast. Presumably, either there's two places named uh, Kesari, there's an, also a place in the Galilee up north, or perhaps there's a conflation of two different stories, and somebody didn't do a very clean job of editing. And the host asks Rabbi Eliezer on this hot day; uh, it's it's a it's a Shabbat. Now it may happen on Sukkot, and the text will analyze this and reject that possibility. For our purposes, that's not the important element. the the get The host asks Rabbi Eliezer, the senior rabbinic figure, if it's okay to sort of uh, put a temporary shade in a, a sheet or some sort of cloth to block from the sun. And Rabbi Eliezer's answer is, how about them cowboys? He tries to, to dissuade him from talking about the matter. He asks him another halachic question, that they talk about a, another another matter. He's trying to, he's trying to to uh, distract him and put him to another topic. And, and the man keeps asking, and he keeps asking, and he keeps asking. And finally, he just goes ahead and does it and puts up, up the sheet, at which point Rabbi Eliezer leaves the sukkah, leaves the hut. And it says, not because he disagreed necessarily, but because Rabbi Eliezer does not want to uh, innovate a new ruling of his own. He only, as a sage, Rabbi Eliezer is portrayed in our passage as only repeating what he received from his masters, never coming up with anything on his own. It says, Shalo Amar Davar, shelo Shama Mi He never said anything except what he had heard from his own masters. And over on the top of the next page, the Aleph Daf of, of Kafchet 28, it'll say that specifically that he was asked 30 questions, 12 of which he could answer, because he had a, an authentic traditional report, and 18 of which he couldn't answer because he simply hadn't heard. Or vice versa, maybe it was 18 he could, and 12 that he couldn't. The Gemara is, is uncertain about those things. But here's the important part. When the people who ask Rabbi Eliezer all those questions that he could not answer, they get frustrated with him, and they say, You're not saying anything except you're just reporting. And he says to them, He's kaktuni lomar davar she lo shamati you're demanding of me that I say something that I have not received as authoritative tradition. I don't do that. Mi Lokidam Lokid Mani Adam Biveta Midrash. Nobody ever was nobody ever came to the study house before me. Veloya Shanti Viveta Midrash, I never snoozed in the study house. Loshe Keva Velo Shenat Arrive, not for the not a whole night's sleep, not even a dose. Velohi Nahtiya Dam Biveta Midrash Vyatsati. I never left a person still in the study house to go home early I never had idle conversation I have never once said anything that was of my own innovation that is not in fact a report. So the vision of what rabbinic learning is as expressed in this passage of Rabbi Eliezer is not innovation Innovation will come, and anybody reading the Talmud, frankly, has to have a great deal of appreciation for the innovative and creative interpretations that our sages gave, probably even Rabbi Eliezer did himself, but his self-conception, as reported in this story, is never, never, never. I never created, I never innovated, I repeated. That makes him a very conservative figure, or at least he attempts to express a very conservative ideology. This prompts us to a discussion of Rabbi Eliezer's uh, intellectual lineage and his own teachers who are specifically Rabban Yohanan ben Zakkai and he is said to have some of these same characteristics meamavlo <speaking> sichat <in Hebrew> he also never had idle conversation no idle chatter torah <speaking> bilotfilin <Hebrew> he didn't walk he did not walk four paces without uh wearing tefillin and either holding a torah or more likely discussing torah nobody ever beat him to the study house in the morning and he never dozed in the study in the study house below here he never reflected on important matters in unclean places and he never uh, left anybody in the study house when he went out Uh, he sat and studied all the time Adam he held the door open for his students and he never said anything that he had not heard from his own masters and he never said we're done studying on any day except the eve of Passover and the eve of uh, Yom HaKippurim again an extremely pious and extremely conservative image of what a rabbinic teacher uh, was we're going to go on and say another great little story here about about Rabbi Yochanel ben zakais own upbringing, it says, "Shmonim tamidim hazaken." The famous Hillel had eighty disciples. Thirty of them were worthy of the inspiration that landed upon Moses. Thirty of them were as worthy as Joshua, son of Nun, for whom, during the battle at Givon, the sun stood still in the sky, Esrim ben Onim, and 20 of them were, like, pretty good. They were, they were medium guys. kulan Yonatan ben Uziel, the greatest one was Yonatan ben Uziel, and he is the reputed author of one of the Aramaic translations, the Targumim. If you open up a classic Jewish Bible, you'll see a Targum called Yonatan ben Uziel. Can't, can't Of course, I can't say anything about Whether that's an actual, authentic uh, attribution? Probably not. The katan shevekulam Yochanan ben Zakkai and Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai was the least of the disciples and now we get this amazing description of the least of the disciples, of course the the father of post-temple rabbinic Judaism is Yochanan ben Zakkai but we get this amazing uh, description of his qualities it says that he did not, niach, he did not fail to study Mikra, Bible, Mishnah, authoritative rabbinic interpretation, Gemara, uh, which does not mean the book, the Gemara, which does not exist in his time, but the explanations of the Mishnayot, Halachot, the traditional rules, Agadot, the, uh, the lore, dikduke Torah and dikduke Sofrim, all the jots and titles of, of scribes, Kalim v'chamorim, the drashot of Kalvachomer, if X is forbidden, how much more so should should Y be forbidden. Gezerot uh, Shavot, the analogies between two words, Tikufot, the astrology, Gematriot, the numerology, Sihat Malachi Asharit and Sihat Shedim, the speech of angels and the speech of demons, the Shichat Dekalim, and the speech of the palm trees. Uh, Rashi says, I don't know what any of that means. Rashi's comment is, I, I couldn't even tell you what that stuff is. Mishalot. Uh, kopsi mishalot shualim the the parables of uh, uh launderers and the parables of foxes davar gadol davar katan big things and small things davar gadol the mystical speculation davar katan havayot veRava, and the small things are the back and forth kind of talmud that we are accustomed to study uh, this is an amazing drash an amazing statement in contrast to the previous, we said that these fellows never said anything except what they heard. Well, I suppose you could re- regard this also as very conservative—an abundant, abundant amount of material that they had received from their teachers. But the richness of this is not simply—it seems to me, as a modern reader—not simply the stuff of Jewish tradition, but a whole nother realm of Jewish creativity of of. Uh, of unimagined possibilities still developed by the sages and their students at down to this very day. Thanks for learning this page with me, and I look forward to learning with you again tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daft Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.